Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. This is episode number 122. I'm one of your hosts. I go by the name Alexander Holden, and as always, I'm sat digitally next to my number one pod partner. He's all the way over there in Melbourne, Australia. You've got to be the one called... John Maloney. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Back to the show. And John, last week there was a watershed moment that I think we need to discuss on the Mm -hmm. podcast because some listeners might notice a change of tone in my voice, my cadence, my confidence, my cool, powerful confidence. And that watershed moment or turning point or historic moment was that, can you know, you can't really see, can can you notice anything different from me? Hmm, let's see. No. <laughs> Did you get Botox? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that would be great. It's actually, that's probably the next thing. I didn't even think <laughs> of that, but that's the next thing. I Fake tan? You're getting, you're getting close. I removed my two facial piercings. Oh, well, there you go. A watershed moment. I had to mm. stare myself in the mirror mm-hmm. with these two big old bolts of metal in my head. For all you suckers who didn't know, I had I had my nose pierced and I had my tragus pierced. Tragus, for all those who suckers who don't know, mm. is the little bit of ear that uh, that is in the inner ear that kind of covers your ear hole. That's called mm. tragus. And I had a big old bolt through there. And I had a big old bolt through it. So they weren't they weren't inconspicuous piercings. They weren't your heaviest piercing. That, but but they were much more noticeable and much yeah. more of a statement than say just a gentle sleeper in the ear, little ear, mm. little earring. That's one thing. Mm. Yeah. But interesting having the piece of metal through my nose and the piece of metal through my ear. I got them fairly recently, uh, as you know, as far as statements of rebellion go or mm-hmm. or a desperate attempt to appear <laughs> cool and relevant i got them mm. pretty recently and i'm talking you know i'm 40 now i'll be 41 in a few days and yeah. the way things are them, going i don't know and the way things are going i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i'm 40 years now i to live to see 41 the way things are going i don't know <laughs> And I just, I, I was very happy with them when I got them for the first couple of years. The reason that yeah. I got them, I can remember specifically the impulse. And the impulse mm-hmm. was that when Tinder started kicking off a few years ago, actually, I was a bit mm. late to the party with Tinder, to be honest. I was only on it for a brief period. But I noticed that when I had to set up my Tinder profile, that I was looking a lot more plain than I felt comfortable right. with when I was comparing myself to other Berlin men because yeah okay yeah you know this is peak tattoo you know we're living sure. in a, we're living in a tattoo world and so some um, of them are probably those people who chop their noses off so they can look like reptiles and all sorts yeah, of stuff I mean these days I think we've moved on to that yeah we've yeah we've, we've, we might be discussing that a bit later people that mm. like to to try be and be a bit trans speciesist be a bit trans speciesist yeah and so I thought to myself. Well, this is not cool because I can tell you right now that everybody on here that's got tattoos, they're not as cool as me, but all the ladies mm. who are looking for cool guy, cool, are looking for their cool husband. 
Yeah. They're going to be looking at these tattoo. They're going to think these are tattooed bad boys. And I thought, yeah. well, how am I going to compete with this? And it wasn't actually, it wasn't necessarily for the Tinder photo because piercings don't show up great on photos anyway. A, a couple of right. piercings. It was just it's more a sense. Date. It was just more of a sense of, <laughs> yeah, I've always wanted a piercing. And of course, we mm. weren't. We weren't allowed to have piercings at high school, John. No, they were illegal in Australia until uh, 2001, piercings. Yeah, piercings were illegal in Australia until 2001. It went a lot. Ever since the convicts turned up in the boat, they said, mm. now you're not, to, you're not to pierce your skin and have any type of individualism with metal protruding through <laughs> yeah, your skin. Right. All right, it's mate, right. no worries, all right. So, what am I doing? It's so hot here. Please take me back to London. I only stole a loaf of bread. <laughs> no, nope, you'll be here for the next seven years. And then if you do, if you're well behaved and you help us build the country, then, then you have the opportunity to start afresh here because you could live in this new wild land or you can perhaps try to get back. That's how it would go. Right? <laughs> you should get a job at Sovereign Hill. Yeah. <laughs> and I never got tattoos because yep. I have a mental illness where I worry about the future incessantly. <laughs> and uh, I could always picture myself regretting yeah, uh, the decision to get a tattoo. And so I never got any. And also... I. We were a bit, we were a bit too, well, no, that's not true. So, I mean, obviously there's a lot of people Tats our were age. more of a, more of a bold step when we were at the age where we were most likely much, to get them, I think. Much more so, yeah. And of course yeah. people, now that they are more socially accepted, people our age and a lot older have got them. Mm. But my, my real, like, I need to really define myself as being um, countercultural and alternative. That was definitely in my early 20s and i think if i was mm. ever, by the time i was 30 i was you know i was trying to be a bit cool but i mm. was not trying to be like the coolest kid on yeah 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 on yeah. the block it's a momentous uh bittersweet moment yeah what does this say about me what's well i happen? it's weird because i was out for my mum's birthday last week shout out to celia she doesn't mm. listen to the podcast because <laughs> Um, anything that I do that's not being a lawyer, she disapproves of. Thanks a lot, mum. Uh, no, I think she, I think it just makes her worry. Um, but uh, <laughs> that's so good. Why yeah. would this make her worry? I don't know. She said I listened to a few episodes. I just feel like I don't need to know everything about you. And I'm like, okay, well, that's. I don't think I'm saying anything too bad. But anyway, um, we went out for her birthday, and Dan. Uh, arrived and he had a cool little uh, earring, and I yeah. thought, yeah, maybe it's time for me to get some some real loop earrings. And yeah. he said he's got one in one ear, and he's going to get the second ear done because he said that um, having one in one ear makes you look like a fuck boy, which I didn't really understand uh, too old yeah. to understand. But um, uh, but I um. So just as you're exiting that phase, my midlife crisis is really stepping up and I'm going to get probably, probably get a little soul patch beard, um, <laughs> just a blend of things that I thought were called 25 years ago and things, <laughs> things that I'm interpreting from things, Dan now. Things that you didn't um, get around to doing at the time. Exactly. What else? I'm going to get some, um, like, uh, 
real classic late 90s tats. Like some, <laughs> there was a particular kind of three dimensional looking star that a lot of people got. Oh. Um, you could get the, uh, you, you, could get, you could get a, get a couple of tribals. Yeah, get some tribal tats because I think. Tribal tats, soul patch, mm. loop earring, little little sleeper. Yeah. I wonder what, I don't know. I reckon the tattooists these days would, would say, no, nah, you can't have tribal tats anymore. Uh, that's that's uncomfortable I, territory. I, yeah, it's true, actually. I, I remember I remember when I first moved to Berlin, The it was just becoming hip for people to get triangle tattoos and this was a oh, big thing yeah. everybody was getting a triangle apparently That's they're quite big apparently they're quite difficult to do because uh the tattoo artist needs to do straight lines oh yeah and anyway studied pythagoras's yeah theorem you need to, to have you, <laughs> you need to have done university level <laughs> geometric maths to be able to yeah. do them um but i remember a very funny joke that the tattoo artist said is um there was a there was a famous Berlin rest. It was fuck. It was like it was a multifunction center. This place. It was called White Trash Fast Food, and it was in mm. Prenzlauerberg. And it was a combination bar, restaurant, like live music venue, nightclub, and tattoo parlor. Oh wow! And I remember a friend of mine went there on a holiday to Berlin, and they said to the tattoo artist, "Oh, can I please have the triangle and the." tattoo artists sort of rolled their eyes and said, I'm sorry, but we're all sold out of triangles. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> all sold out of triangles. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, the star I was thinking of is the nautical star, uh, which got pretty big in tattoo culture when it was um, it's, it says on the Wikipedia page, since the 1990s nautical star tattoos have become popular in the United States in general. Oh, I see it. Um, and you'll see... You definitely need one of these, John. Yeah, don't you reckon? Yeah. Um, there was a big tra- There was a big thing of, um, you know, kind of rockabilly revival shit about 10 years ago. And I wonder how those people are going with um, how everyone who got real big into... 50s tats is feeling. I mean, I like the look of them, but they um, they sort of had a huge moment, and now that moment's a bit past. But uh, that's the nature of tattoos, isn't it? That's the that's the trade off that you make. I'm going to look extremely cool for a few years, and then a bit <laughs> a bit naff for 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> Al, over the last couple of weeks, a uh, number of DPTMers who are attuned to the kinds of things that we like to talk about on the show alerted us both, I think, independently to something going on in Japan, which did the rounds uh, in the uh, global media recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and to to get us going, I've sent you... A video okay. on WhatsApp, which will which you can watch, and then we'll set the scene. I'll okay. set the scene. Perhaps you can, you know, just just react as your. Okay, should I just say what I, I say what I'm seeing? Tell you. 
Do I say what I'm seeing or? Sure. Yeah. Tell us what you're seeing. Okay. So <clears throat> probably the first thing to mention is it's, it's, uh, it was uploaded two weeks ago to this particular channel. Uh, on YouTube, it, it, I believe it, it it may have been uploaded to some other YouTube channels uh, in the mm. past as well. But it has 7.8 million views in two weeks. That's big numbers. And what I'm seeing pretty good. is what appears to be a board. It looks like a border collie dog, mm. but mm-hmm. it's a very, it's quite well stiff. identified. It's quite stiff looking for a border collie dog. And its <laughs> arms aren't, it's walking along in a, in a park with a, with a, a German woman who seems to be its minder. Yeah. Uh, and its its arms and its legs aren't really bending properly when it moves along. It's, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it, got, it, it's got arthritis. It's got, <laughs> it's got arthritis. Yeah. And I'm wondering what's going on. This Border Collie doesn't quite look like a Border Collie. Will somebody please explain to me? What's yeah. going on with this weird looking dog that's also a little probably a little bit too big for a border collie. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, allow me to help you understand yes. what's going on there. So you'll see the the description for that video, if I'm not mistaken, is is as follows. My name is Toko. I wanted to be an animal and I became a collie. The tram the channel, this channel will bring you such an unusual video and he's not he's not kidding about that this video was shot last year when i was interviewed by rtl a german tv yeah, station i know them well thankfully i received permission to use the video so i'm releasing them to the public on the day of the interview they were very kind to me thank you very much and there's a further video i mean there's a bunch of other videos but there's a further video that i watched where toko has filmed himself walking around his house somewhere in japan mm. dressed as a dog and an un- unseen figure takes him for a walk but then he becomes uh anxious about uh coming across people and scutters home in his dog costume and uh <laughs> this became this became a big story because people saw that video and were interested in how he'd gotten hold of this costume and what he was doing. Turned out he'd paid about 12,000 pounds, so quite a lot of money, to a company called Zeppet, which does specialty costumes and makeup, and they had produced for him over quite a long period uh, a very lifelike collie costume that he's able to inhabit. And... (laughs) He does this because, um, he said, ever since I was a small child, I wanted to be an animal. I think it is a desire to transform. I mean, we've all felt that. I've thought about it since I can remember. And he says he hasn't really told anyone because he doesn't want to be uh, judged by people that he knows, which is also why he just goes by the name Toko on the channel, I think. Right. And he said... um, especially uh, the people he works with. He's concerned that they not find out that he likes to dress as a dog, which I think is reasonable. And mm-hmm. um, they, he says, they think it's weird that I want to be a dog. No. Which, which it is. Uh, <laughs> for the same reason why I can't show my real face. I rarely tell my friends because I'm afraid they think they will think I am weird. My friends and family seem very surprised to learn I became an animal. Uh, I think it d- displays a certain lack of um, self-awareness or perhaps 
connection to reality that he's surprised about their surprise. <laughs> but anyway, he says he enjoys doing things that only dogs do. And he huh. said he remembered writing in his grade school graduation book that he wanted to be a dog and to walk outside. And now, thanks to uh, the interview with RTL, he's done that and everyone knows about it. And it's a great interview because, I mean, it's, well, he says interviewed. I think there are a few scenes where he's kind of talking off camera or in the dog costume, but generally it's just him walking around being a dog. Yeah, and, and the, the, the interviews they're talking about, that they've spoken to him and it, it's in text, but I didn't. I personally mm. didn't hear any any of him speaking. I'm not even sure if he can speak. It might be... He yeah. Might, he might... Can it be only able to communicate through barks? I think he just can woof. Yeah. <laughs> woof. And, and um, cry like a dog. And I loved it because the interviewer, you know, she's very... No doubt, very open-minded as Germans are. She and, would, yeah. um, she's, I think she's, she's probably a Berliner. Yeah, she's saying to him like she's holding out her hand in one bit, and he puts his hand up like a dog would shake your hand. Yeah, and she kind of reacts like, "Yay, he did it!" And it's like, but it's not a dog. It's just, it's just a fucked up man in there. Of course, he can shake your hand. <laughs> It's weird. It's like she forgets that he's a that he's a man, or holds him to the standard, holds him to the standard of a very clever dog, which I loved. <laughs> and then he does this. She does the same when he rolls over. She's like, "Oh, he did it!" It's like, yeah, yeah. He's a he's just a person in a dog suit. Um, wait until she sees him reverse parallel parking a car. <laughs> Exactly. He did his taxes. Holy <laughs> shit. This is quite a dog. Um, and so, you know, it was a great, it was a good feel good story. Like, I mean, we've talked a little bit on the show previously, I suppose, about uh, people becoming animals. Yeah, I specifically love- dogs. There, but mm. that, I think, was may- maybe in more of a... That was the bio-dog story. That's right. We did the bio-dog story. We might have yeah. even talked about... Because I was in the 2000s, I became fascinated by there was a there was a situation in Utah where a guy was a hunter was out and he saw a, a herd of goats on a hillside on oh, a yeah. mountainside, and then this guy was in a goat outfit, and so everyone was like, "Is there a Utah goat man walking around?" Yeah. And it turned out that the guy in the goat suit was also a hunter who was just using the suit to get close to the goats. But then there was also, I, I may be inspired by that. There was subsequently this guy who did uh, have an urge to kind of um, escape human form. And he built this very high tech goat um, kind of quadrupedal goat suit and uh, hung around on the mountainside with goats. And he had a fake stomach to digest grass or something like that. <laughs> and so we talked a little bit about that. And I we I are, like it because, you know, I the, think we've all been, we've all should, been like, oh, it's Sunday night and I'm at the office. <laughs> I just wish I was a sheep and I didn't have to worry about any of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> DPTM is at the vanguard of the trans species as a movement mm, and, and its quest true. to be accepted, which to be honest, it doesn't really seem like that much of a quest these days to just be no. accepted. And I did read... I did. No, I did read on. Um, this is from NationalPost.com. I think they they are quoting from that same interview. 
Uh, they've, mm. they've also written a little bit of their own of their own text here, and they've said, despite being seen by millions of people around the world through his YouTube channel, Toko revealed in the video released last year that he was reluctant to go out in public as a dog and to tell people close to him about his dream, as you mentioned, mm. John. Uh, and then it's this article says that Toko said to the interview, I felt a bit of inferiority complex about it, so I rarely talk about it with others. If anyone mm. notices who I am, please don't tell anyone around me. <laughs> I like that. Wow. And then uh, yeah. one of um, another another commentator that I saw uh, read the uh, read the the intro <laughs> to the article about how it had been a dream of his since he was a child to be a dog. And this particular person made a point that I thought uh, was quite prescient. Is that the right yeah. word, John? Prescient? Yeah, it's like a... Yeah, that's yeah. a good word. Where he said, yeah, did you catch Did you catch the issue here, guys? Uh, in the, and then he goes, I'll just read it to you again. Ever since I was a child, mm. and, uh, and then this interviewer was saying, when did we arrive at a point in society where you were allowed <laughs> to indulge any fantasy that you had as a child? <laughs> <laughs> As, yeah, you know, because if I'd said ever since I was a child I wanted to be a helicopter, mm. and then I, I and then I put on a helicopter suit and I ran around a yeah. park dressed as a helicopter and would yeah. encourage children to come over and pretend that they were interacting with Take the helicopter. Rides. Yeah, yeah. And then I said, and then people said, "This is pretty weird." And I was like, "Yeah, what? this is, I'm, and I'm, you I'm, said. I've wanted." I've wanted to be in a helicopter ever since I was a child. And then everyone yeah. went, oh, oh, why don't you tell us? Sorry. Sorry. We didn't know you were de-stigmatizing de hel helicopter <laughs> Helicopter. <person. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's true. I mean, a psychologist with uh, who's worth their salt, I hope, wouldn't say to you, if you said, well, uh, yeah, I thought about this as a child, then they'd say, well, that's not necessarily the determinative standard of what you should be doing as an adult. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I used to shit my pants as a child. But, and sure, there are times when I would like to just give in and do that. But uh, <laughs> but I don't. Um, uh, yeah, a bit of a sad postscript, though. I was reading on from the headlines about what had happened to Toko oh. since he had this moment in the sun. Yeah. And basically, um, since the since the video that you just watched, the, a council in Shinsekai, which is a suburb of Osaka, was notified by residents there of a, of a foul smell coming from the backyard of one of the homes in that suburb. <laughs> and they went to investigate and they discovered that Toko was... Um, still dressed as a collie and was fouling his yard up. Uh, and they said they were concerned about it attracting insects or an E. coli outbreak. And they asked him to, they sent a letter to him asking him to clean his backyard. And his lawyer responded saying that he considers himself to be a dog, so he can't respond to or comply with uh, correspondence. And so they put him in uh, the local pound. Um, and unfortunately, um, as with a lot of pounds, they had regulations <laughs> and Toko had to be both deloused and desexed. So he had a difficult time 
in the pond, in the pound, and it might be surmised that that had a lasting effect on his behaviour because eventually they said, "Okay, look, we've cleaned the yard up. You can return home." But in a final video, which I won't recommend watching, um, he ventures out again from his house, and but he encountered a teenager on a skateboard, and he became very aggressive and bit the teenager on the ankle. <laughs> and then the video ends by just saying informing the viewer that unfortunately he had to be euthanized the following day. <laughs> uh, so, so I want to say thank you and Vale to Taco, <laughs> Val- who's, a, who's, a pa- who's really become a martyr to transhumanism. <laughs> you got to take the light with the shade. Yeah. It's not all, it's, still, it's not all just kids waving at you in a park and yeah, petting you. Right. <laughs> Also, also, what if he didn't have the suit on and kids were patting him in a park? (laughs) (laughs) Just, just a nude man woofing. What if he just, what if he just was in his underwear and he just got on all fours and said to the kids in the park, come on kids, come and give old Taco a little pat. interesting happened uh, during the week, Al, when I was at the aforementioned birthday celebrations of my mum. She'd recently visited my brother Tom and his Mm -hmm. wife Vanessa and their kids in uh, New York. And um, and she came back with a gift that Tom had given, I guess, to me, but also really to us and to the Don't Praise the Machine community. (laughs) Um, which I very much appreciated. And it is the 2016 classic, The Living Clearly Method by none other than uh, cultural and spiritual lodestar of the Don't Praise the Machine show, Ilaria Baldwin. Um, And I've been reading it uh, with great enthusiasm ever since I I got it. And I've just sent you uh, a series of photos which I... Uh, cherry picked from the book, which yeah. I particularly enjoyed, um, which perhaps you'd like to to tell me a little bit about. If yeah, the thing I also the thing I also that's such a delight about this book, John, is that it is pre yes. her being called out for any yep. of the scandal. So yep. it is yeah, you're full on unadulterated absolutely Ilaria when she was still convincing everybody that she was spanish <laughs> exactly so so she's it's no holds barred because she's not concerned for a second that there's a microscope on her behavior no and so exactly that's one of the best things about it and uh and you can see from the kind of endorsements that it gets from people like christy brinkley mm. uh beth ostrowski ostrowski stern people that have since been forced to distance themselves from it exactly they say but because of, because of their because of their pr team said i'm not going to work with you if you fucking mention her again yeah <laughs> they say look i certainly thought she was spanish uh which <laughs> that might be on me um <laughs> but uh but if you really want a full 
blow-by-blow account, you can go back to our episode Hilaria ensues, which I think uh, I think details the the extent of her um, her her misleading and deceptive conduct in relation to <laughs> pretending that she was from Spain to make herself more interesting. But yeah, you can it's it's great because I mean this this book I'll just give you a sense of what it's about. So um, it says in the in the uh, inside cover. Hilaria Baldwin knows what it means to be pulled in many directions as a mother of three, businesswoman, yoga instructor, Instagram sensation, and wife of actor uh, Alec Baldwin. She has to work hard to remain centered. And through her life experiences, struggles, and personal growth, she has developed a method for using movement and mindfulness to create an unbreakable mind-body connection, an illuminating method that shapes her life. And... It's, um, the rest of it is just kind of verbose claptrap, but it's basically, um, there's five principles that she, uh, that she includes as part of the living clearly method. Um, and they're things like perspective, breathing, grounding, balance, and letting go really, uh, really revolutionary stuff. And, um, yeah, I particularly enjoyed it's, I mean, it's one of those books, which you just know is a kind of bold attempt to repackage a bunch of fairly common sense. I mean, she's a yoga instructor, so she she understands how to do yoga, but uh, the rest of it is really just stuff that everyone, um, you know, from 12, age 12 and up can can tell you about (laughs) like eating healthy and taking a moment to relax and things like that. Um, Do you want me to, uh, do you want me to describe the pictures that you've sent to me? Yeah, please do. I love them. So the first one, it's a full-page photograph, and it is Ilaria in what looks like an autumnal New York street scene, mm. and she's wearing a very trendy outfit, extremely high boots up to the knee with a high heel mm-hmm. and a very fashionable, trendy coat, and she's mm. got sunglasses on, and she's she's carrying one of her children that looks to be maybe, you know, perhaps around two years old mm-hmm. and she's doing a wide stride mm. across across the New York street. Very wide. Holding, very wide. And she's, and you're, you're getting a side profile look at her and she's holding her one-year-old child uh, to her torso and she's giving her child a little peck on the mouth <laughs> and it's just, you know, it's not the kind of thing that you'd go... Uh, y- you wouldn't think necessarily that it's you Something's know, super wrong. weird, yeah. But it's just like it's a bit weird. It's just, uh... <laughs> yeah. Do you want the next one? Yeah, you don't have to. You don't. I mean, t- take or leave as you as you see fit. But happy for you to. Well, they all have a very similar. Thi- they all have a very. There's there's a similar theme running through all of them, mm. which is that it. it <laughs> Which is that it appears that she has insisted on contorting herself mm. for most of the photographs. <laughs> and I can just imagine the photographer going, you don't need to do that again, Ilaria. And yeah. she's going, no, I ju- it is going to be me on the couch, <laughs> except I am, I am going to bring my legs over my head. Yeah. And that is going to make just, it dynamic and interesting. Maybe just sit on the couch. And she's like, so in, in, no, I will do cat cow. (laughs) (laughs) 
Just sit on the floor. No, you will watch me in deep pigeon pose for the next 20 minutes. Uh, there's a picture of her kissing Alec on the floor, and she's kind of, she's uh, b- basically um, vertical. So she's yeah. kind of leapt on him like a Cirque du Soleil performer, doing yeah. like a handstand. She's like handstand kissing him. Yeah. And then there's one where she's also doing a handstand on the kitchen bench. She's upside down. <laughs> turning on her kitchen blender and Alec is there helping her. And as you said, John, there's one of the lovely things that we love about the Baldwins yeah. is just uh, Alec's clear reluctance <laughs> to participate <laughs> yeah. in any of this. Yeah. But it's, but you know, it's just a, ma- it's a marriage, you know, and she, yeah. she's got to get her bag. And, and so she's like, clearly saying to him, okay, look, here's what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do a Cirque du Soleil handstand and kiss you. And he's like, um, and he's, she's like, look, you're a heavy set older man and you've married a woman in her twenties. <laughs> so this is, there's a price to be paid. <laughs> so all the all the kind of photos of him and all the videos, he's just kind of he's meant to be this serious actor. Yeah, he's just going. Oh no, my wife wants to do a handstand <laughs> and t- and turn the blender on for a yoga book, and yeah. I have to stand there and pretend like this is what I want to do as well. Yeah, exactly. That's right. And the, there's a few as you as you astutely alluded to. This is before the. Uh, Spanish Gate, I guess you could call it, yeah. where, where those those um, things came out, and so you can see some classic. And obviously, I've looked for for signs of her insinuating that she was Spanish because that's my favorite thing that she's ever done. Oh yes, and um, <clears throat> and I haven't gone through it all uh, with a fine tooth comb because it's a pretty excruciating read, but um, uh. She says, for example, in the introduction, Alec and I have a Spanish phrase engraved on our wedding rings, somos en buen equipo, which means, sorry for my pronunciation, which means we're a good team. We lean on on each other for help. We push each other to try harder. And we see the other's potential on those inevitable days when we forget. And she says, she goes on to say, my hope for this book is that it helps you feel part of the un buen equipo with me as your guide <laughs> and the many other women and men who are reading it standing alongside you as well. And that's, so that's one. She's obviously gone. Uh, she's obviously said to Alec, I'm Spanish, so it's important that we have a phrase on our wedding rings to signify that. Um, <laughs> and my name's Ilaria. And he's gone, okay, I accept both of those things as fact. <laughs> uh, and they weren't. And then I looked in the glossary. No, sorry, not the glossary, the the uh, index at the back of the uh, book. And obviously I looked under S for Spain or Spanish, anything relating to that. I also looked under E for España, which she was fond of calling Spain to yeah. make people think she was from there. Um, but I didn't find Spain, but what I did find was spinach. And then I thought, and then you go down under spinach and it says vegetable and Quinoa paella. Uh, uh, there's a recipe at page 200, and I thought this will be good because she'll say something about it being a favourite dish of her of her compatriots, the Spanish or something. And yeah. So I went to it, and she's engaged here in what I think is a is a textbook bit of uh, <laughs> of kind of 
um, lawyered, lawyered chat. Exactly right. Yeah. Like Ilaria Brand's sleight of hand where she's walked right up to the line of saying something (laughs) that is an out and out lie, but in a way that allows her to come back and say, no, I didn't actually say that. And you, it's for you to assume it. Um, so she says vegetable and quinoa paella, uh, serves four. She says, ask a Spanish person about paella and they'll tell you that it takes a lifetime to perfect and a long time to cook. Mm. But this simple dinner takes the essence of paella and turns it into a quick versatile meal. We love it with poached egg, but feel free to top it up with fish, shrimp, chicken, or tofu. And I think if you were to, if you were to read this, knowing what you knew or believed at that time of (laughs) Ilaria Baldwin, uh, that you would think, well, she would know what Spanish people would say about paella because of course... She is Spanish, but she hasn't actually said that. And then she goes on to say, traditional paella has a socarat or crust that forms on the bottom of the pan. This is considered a delicacy among Spaniards, blah, blah, blah. You want this, it is delicious and is blah, blah, blah. And Mm -hmm. then she goes on to talk about Spanish cuisine again subsequently in the recipe. So I think she's, again, she's kind of just vaguely insinuating herself, uh, with Spanish culture, but in a way that um, cleverly avoids uh, the accusations that inevitably came later. Um, and I revisited them this morning, and ah, oh, God, I got to say, they've lost none of their the, the pleasure for me. There's a there's like a blow by blow account article that I read that compiles everything and has the has the comment from the woman who commented on her podcast who said. I knew her in Boston and her name was Hillary and she didn't speak with the accent that she now speaks with what's going on. And I just, I love, I don't know what it is about that story, but it just gets me going. Uh, (laughs) It's episode, if anyone wants to check it out as well, it's episode 32 of the podcast. Pretty early. Almost a year, almost a hundred episodes ago. Mm. Uh, Ilaria ensues episode number 32, (laughs) where John goes blow by blow. And I must also say that is one of my favorite things that, that we've ever done on the show john is you talking about that Ilaria bauble but it's i mean i think nice. what i think what's great i think what is so fantastic about it is it's just everything we love it's just a kind of hollywood weirdness and also the fact that she's just kind of got away with it like she's still yeah. out there doing stuff alex and alec they nobody copped to it they all just were like no, no. fuck you and it's so yeah it's it's undeniable what happened yeah and yeah. she, and it, but it, but it's so, it's she had made her entire. I mean, this is the thing that we love so much, John. I think is we love people, especially we love people that just go all in on an identity <laughs> which is built on a foundation of sand. It's true, and yeah. so her entire identity, something great about she it. She just felt like I'm, I'm not enough. I'm not interesting enough to be a woman from Boston. So I'll mm. turn myself into a Spanish woman, which I'm not. Mm. And then yeah. when she was called out to it, it's just when she was called out about it. It's just too identity shattering by that point to yeah. accept, to cop to it. And so she kind of obfuscated the whole thing and just said, nah, it's not really like that. You guys have got it wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was never, I never said that. Exactly. And I never just, claimed that I, w- that I was born in Spain. Yeah. And she, I mean, the extent to which she kind of contorts herself to avoid uh, answering questions honestly, but also avoid just out and out lying like people would say. You know, did you come to New York uh, 
when you were 19 from Spain and she would say, my family lives in Spain or something like that. <laughs> That's right. I think yeah, somebody, somebody asked her. Yeah. That was exactly her reply and it was so mm. quick that it was clearly, mm. it's in the can. She knows. Mm. Yeah. She knows straight away just like a White House press uh, person. <laughs> she knows exactly in those conferences when somebody asks you a direct question, they yeah. just answer a different question that they didn't ask. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. In a way that makes them go, well, that was a slightly odd, but I'm satisfied that you are from Spain. <laughs> are, you Sp- are you Spanish? Uh, my parents live in Spain. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that, that contained the word Spain, that reply. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. It was Sp- and not a denial. Your, your reply was Spanish-related, so I yeah, guess that's I'll, right. just, I'll accept that. Are you, from, are you from Spain? And she just says, hola. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... um. It's like when Rachel Dolezal got asked by that reporter yeah. if she had any, like if both of her parents were white or if she had any African-American mm. heritage. And it's, it's, such a, it's such a thing to behold because it's, it's rare that you get to see somebody who has, again, like her entire mm. identity was being a black woman, Rachel Dolezal, yeah. obviously the woman who yeah. she was transracial. We've got a lot of... We've got a, we've got transspeciesism. We've got transracialism on today's show. Yeah, and we'll be a, we'll, in twenty years' time. We'll be apologising for all of this. I imagine, <laughs> and, and everyone's walking around in dog suits. <laughs> <laughs> when the president is in a dog suit, when the American president's up there in a dog suit, saying, "I just want to start this press conference." By honouring my truth And everyone yeah, claps That's right <laughs> yeah. Everyone claps and woofs 